0: Inventory is cash on hangers and cash in boxes. It is money.
1: It's time for e commerce explored, time to explore deep into a tricky e commerce topic. We're here to help you overcome your e commerce growth barriers. Welcome to my brand new show, E Commerce Explored, which we're temporarily co releasing to listeners of the E Commerce Master Plan podcast as well. So, hello, ECMP listeners. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this podcast, best selling author, speaker, and host of other podcasts too. Ecommerce Explored is the home of what's going to be an occasional seasonal podcast where I'm going to dive deep into one big topic over a handful of episodes to help you get to grips with it. Hence, E commerce Explored. Now, the topic for this particular series is overstocks. How do you get rid of your excess stock? How do you avoid excess stock in the first place? All with the aim of helping you to improve cash flow, increase profits, and avoid the waste and sending product to landfill. We're releasing the episodes over the next few weeks, every Thursday, in fact. But if you want the content sooner, then just sign up for our virtual event version that you can get for free via ecmp.info forward slash overstocks. So that's ecmp for e-commerce master plan forward slash when you do that, you will get loads of stuff. So you will get our sessions specifically about clearing your overstocks via your website and via other channels because those are live right now. Access to the next session right now, which is all about using your returns data to solve the problem. So you're gonna get more stuff than you can get on the podcast right now. You're gonna get videos of every single one of those sessions. You're also gonna get access to join us for the live Q&A session. And once it's ready, you will get your hands on the ebook we're creating to go alongside this, which we're calling the Overstocks Handbook, packed with advice and checklists to help you manage it all better. And loads of links and resources too. So if you haven't yet signed up for the virtual event version and you want to get all that great stuff, then hit pause and go to ecmp.info forward slash Overstock to sign up for free right now. Signed up? Great, let's get on with this then. This session is, I suppose, our pivot session. The first couple have been about clearing overstocks. We're going to be moving into the world of avoiding them, but this session definitely is the pivot point between those. In this session, we are answering the question, how do we forecast better to avoid future overstocks and ease cash flow issues? Now for me it's essential that in this event we don't just tackle clearing the overstocks you have right now but we also look to the future to help you avoid them from now on because let's try not to create the problem in the first place eh um Creating overstocks in the first place, it's bad for our businesses and it's bad for the human-friendly planet. Wasting resources is fundamentally bad for all of us. Wasting cash on products your customers don't want to buy is just a massive waste of cash. Wasting resources on products that might never get used is a total waste of resources. And giving away margin and reducing your profits because you have to discount in order to clear these products is also a big waste of everything, quite frankly. So imagine a world where even more, a huge amount, percentages of your stock sold through at full price, where you no longer had an overstocks problem to deal with, where you weren't having to fill your marketing with discount messages. How cool would that be? Less work, more money. Sounds good to me. Uh, that's all totally possible. We just need to forecast better. So How do you forecast better? It's coming back to our three trends again, data, collaboration and getting back to first principles. I'll talk a bit more about that at the very end of this session, but right now I've got two excellent guests who are going to help us answer how we can improve our forecasting to avoid those future overstocks and ease our cash flow issues. Sierra Stokeland has amassed a huge amount of experience helping e-commerce stores to get their buy right, and she's the author of Inventory Genius as well. Now, um, Sierra will be getting down to the real nitty-gritty basics of forecasting, how to buy right in the first place. Then we're joined by Mark Hook from Inventory Planner, and he's going to be talking about how to do this the easy way, including some phenomenal case study results where better forecasting has had huge and fast impacts on cash flow, profits, and performance. Let's meet our first expert guest, Sierra Stockland, author of Inventory Genius. Hello, Sierra. Hello, how are you today? I am good. And I am really, really um, pleased to have you on with your book that's just coming out. And clearly with that title, you are exactly the right person to have in for this particular episode of our series. I hope so. (laughs) So um, rather than me get excited about your book, uh, let's ask you the question, the big question, how do we forecast better to avoid future overstocks and ease cash flow?
0: Yes. So inventory. And becoming an inventory genius if you are an inventory-based business is so important. And I had this question um, posed to me once, what should I focus on? I will do whatever you tell me, what should I focus on? And I thought that's so interesting because wouldn't we all focus on the right things if we knew what they were? And as an inventory-based business, focusing on the right things to avoid so much excess overstock, markdowns, all of those things that give us heartburn down the road, really starts with three things. Your sales goal, how much inventory you need to have on hand to make that goal, and how much inventory you're starting with today. So those are the three focused um, metrics that I like to encourage all inventory-based business owners to really get a handle on.
1: So, I we could spend the next three hours discussing how to create a sales goal. So um, (laughs) I think, should we just assume everyone knows what their sales goal is, and then we'll get into the the, the nitty gritty stuff on the other elements. So we know what our sales goal is. How then do we work out how much stock we need to fulfill that?
0: Yeah, so it's a little different if you're a brick and mortar versus e-commerce, which you're very well versed in. Um, so I think first of all, looking at what industry, your segment of the industry you're in um, is really important. If you're brick and mortar, there's some simple formulas with your square footage and how much inventory you want to stock based on the type of inventory and the categories you have. And then e-commerce, which I'm sure you can speak to this even better than I can, um, but really understanding again, what that sales goal is and what you really want your e-commerce site to look look like. Um, I'd love your feedback on this. But what I have learned is to not be so um, brick and mortar focused in our thinking when we have an e commerce store. Because in brick and mortar, we need all of the options, we need beautiful displays, we want to go really, really wide. And in e commerce, we want to be much deeper and make things much easier for people to shop so understanding which part of the industry you're in looking at what your sales goals are and then backing into that specifically if you are brick and mortar understanding your square footage and what's going to fill your store
1: so presumably there's there's a bit of understanding your best sellers and your sales mix and what that needs to look like to then add it all up? Are we, and are we adding up the RRP or are we adding up the cost to work at how much stock?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. So with the open to buy, which is this formula of our sales goal, plus what we wanna keep on on hand, minus what we're starting with, we're gonna start with MSRP dollars. So the retail dollars. And then down the line, we're gonna convert it to what our wholesale cost would be.
1: Got you. So it's it's literally sales goal to sales goal. Here's the money the customer's gonna give us. That's what we're we're gonna do. So. If we've got, I don't know, we'll say if we've got a sales goal of 10,000 and we've got existing stock of 5,000, is it as simple to say, therefore, that what we need to, that that we're, we've got a 5,000 gap?
0: Or am I oversimplifying this? No, this is so good. That's so good. Because when I start working with a client, often they'll say, okay, Sierra, like you said, I know how to make a sales goal, but I'm not making my goals. Okay, well, let's look at how much inventory. Oh you have a 10,000 sales goal and you only have 5,000 in stock. That's not even possible. We can't even make that sales goal. So let's say you have a $10,000 sales goal and 10,000 in stock. It's not possible really to make that sales goal still because we're never going to sell 100% of our inventory. So you have to overstock what your sales goal is going to be And that looks different for brick and mortar and e-commerce, but in in either case, we have to overstock so that we have enough inventory to continue to turn at a decent rate and make those sales goals every month.
1: So some overstock, some excess stock is good, some is bad. How do we work out the difference between what's good and have the good stuff and what's bad and avoid the bad stuff?
0: Yes, so that's where that third number comes in place, what we're starting with today. So we have our sales goal plus what we want to keep on hand Minus what we're starting with today. And if you are not currently receiving your inventory with its costs consistently, you will not be able to find that number. So, a lot of times we bring our inventory in, we're really, really busy. So, we think, oh, we'll just put it in the POS system. We'll just bring it in, sell it as quick as we can. We don't enter all that data and that information. So, we never know how much inventory we really have. So, then we're always playing this game of, well, my store kind of looks full. Nobody's coming to my online store. Maybe I just need more stuff, right? We play in this battle and that's when we get ourselves into trouble because we keep buying to try to make the sales, but that's not really our problem. And then we end up with too much inventory. Then we need cash. Then we dump it all. We liquidate it all. We don't have enough margin and it's this vicious cycle.
1: See, I, you, you said, you know, getting my opinion on this, but I mean, one of the reasons I'm doing this series is because I have, I have basic understanding of the product buying and the merchandising, but nowhere near enough. So, you know, it it is such an important area, which is why it's great to, great to have you on here. And the question I was building to was: there's, I don't think I've ever met a retailer who, you know, or bricks and mortar or online only or bricks only or you know whatever their mix is. I've never met a retailer who, when they actually looked at the numbers, that as you're describing them didn't suddenly realize that their gut feel of what they ought to buy was not what they should be buying. You know, it's like people are always buying the pink options. We need to keep the pink option in stock all the time. And then you run the numbers and you go, actually the blue one is the important one. And it's it's worth taking those extra few minutes just to make sure you're correctly adding the stock in and taking it out again, isn't it?
0: For sure. And with an open to buy, you know, this formula that we're talking, it's a very simple formula. You can go really deep and granular with it, which is what I encourage. So if you've never done anything like this before, let's start big picture. Let's just have an overall open to buy. But then let's get really granular. Like you mentioned, let's look at categories. Let's look at colors. Let's create a buying budget, if you will, for every single one of our top sellers or for our brands so that you're consistently buying what's actually selling because that third number of what you have on hand, that's going to dictate what you need to replace. So let's say we have that goal of 10,000, we stock our store at 20,000 and we look and say, oh, wow, I only have 5,000 left. I can't make my goal. So I need to go buy this much inventory or I overprojected last month. I actually am starting with 30,000 my open to buy or my buying budget's gonna say, whoa, 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 Sierra, you don't need to go buy any more of those pink shirts because look, you already have too many based on what you plan on selling and what you wanna keep. So just taking the time to use this simple formula, and you can do it weekly, you could do it monthly, you can do it quarterly, you can really use it, you know, however it makes sense for your business, but get as granular as possible once you get comfortable with it. You just gave us so
1: much there. For me, there were three, three key things for what you just said, one was, that this is—it's kind of like an evolving number. So whether you're doing it weekly or quarterly or monthly, before you put those purchase orders in, make double check, run what it. You've, what yes. you've got. Um, the second thing I was taking from that was that was the granularity of it. You know. And I like the fact you're essentially saying, you know, start with it big and then start breaking it down through category to get yourself more uh, more focused on it. And I've totally forgotten what the third one is, which is what happens unfortunately when Chloe's doing these recordings. But the question, um, you know, for a, how often would you recommend a business is doing this? Because I'm guessing quarterly is probably a bit too long for most businesses. So what, what's your recommendation on frequency of double checking your numbers on this front?
0: Yeah. So you can really tailor that to the type of business you have. So you can do a mix as well. So I like to tell clients, if you're constantly buying, if you're buying fast fashion or anything that, you know, a widget that's just the same thing over and over, let's do it weekly. Because then you don't get behind the eight ball of, oh my goodness, now three weeks have gone by. I should have had stock. I didn't. So I missed my goals. Every single Monday, we're just going to look at what we have. We're going to place those reorders. If you're buying um, you know high fashion or something that Maybe it takes a long time to manufacture. Maybe you do it quarterly and you plan out for a year or six months at a time, or you can mix it up. So in my retail store, I had some categories that I ran a budget on every single week. And then I had some that I ran a budget on monthly, depending on how quick that inventory turned and what I wanted to accomplish with that inventory. So you can just really get creative. That's what I love. Once you understand how this can give you so much power in your business, get creative and make it work for you. I love that. Dude,
1: I was thinking when you said about doing it, um, you know, adapting it to your business and oh, yeah, Christmas time, if you're a Christmas business, you run it more often. But then, then you're saying by categories, it hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, and I remember what my third point was from what you were saying earlier. So let's come back to that, which was it strikes me that when you, you know, you were saying about how you run the open to buy and you're like, oh, I don't actually have any cash left to buy any more stock, which must mean I bought the wrong stock. Would I be right in saying that's your trigger to put some discounts in place, to run some promotions, to turn some of that back into cash, back into open to buy? I know in this episode, we're not talking about clearing the overstock, but that's your trigger point for right now is the time to run a deal.
0: Yes. Oh, this is so good because my clients, when we when we learn this together, I often get this question. So Sierra, I have this inventory that I can't really sell and I don't really like it. Do I have to put that in the number? And yes, <laughs> we absolutely have to be honest with ourselves, right? So if we use that starting inventory, what I'm starting with today, and we say, but not, I'm not going to include that. I'm not going to include that. I don't like that. And not honest with ourselves, we're going to be overbuying. So let's put the real number in. And if we don't like that number because it's too much inventory for what we need, or we want to like move through it so we can buy new, fresh inventory then let's clearance it out so this really helps with that too because it says here's the black and white data and if you want it to give you good honest information for decision making we need to put all the data in and then make those decisions do we mark it down do we mark down some of some of our categories what does that look like
1: excellent and sierra is there anything we've missed before we wrap up this session of brilliant golden nuggets for the audience
0: Yes, I would love to tell everyone that has inventory, which I know you all do, to think of it this way. Inventory is cash on hangers and cash in boxes. It is money. And until you learn to really look at your inventory as cash, you'll always stay emotionally attached to it. You'll keep lying to yourself. You'll hide things in back corners of the warehouse. So really think about your inventory as cash. And what you want that cash to do is to create more cash for yourself you want it to be seed money. And so as you get really smart, as you become an inventory genius and you understand how to move that cash around, you're going to make that money grow more money for you and you'll get really smart. So I'm I'm really excited about what the rest of your guests are going to share when it comes to looking at that inventory like cash and using it well. And that's just just to say to those of you
1: who are seeing the video right now, I've written right in the middle of my piece of paper on my scrappy piece of notepaper, inventory is cash, because that is such an important thing. Any If it's sitting there on the shelves, if it's sitting there in the warehouse, you can't do anything with it until you sell it. I love that point, Sierra, thank you. And yeah, likewise, I'm very interested to see what everyone else's tips are too. Um, Sierra, it has been brilliant to have you as part of our event. So thank you so much for bringing your genius to us. Um, those of you watching right now, those of you listening, if you would like to get in contact with Sierra, you can find her on LinkedIn. And if you would like to find out how Sierra can help you use your inventory to create more profit and keep more cash, then find out all about what she's doing and visit her website at www.sierrastockland.com. Links to all of that are available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock. And Sierra, before I let you go, your book is about to come out as people are watching this for the first time. So please tell us a quick little bit about your book and where people can find it.
0: Yes. So the inventory genius will be releasing on April 6, 2023, really excited. And you can find it at my website, sierrastocklin.com. It's going to be a practical guide to how to use your inventory to create more profit and keep more cash, which is what we all want to do at the end of the day. Exactly. And great timing putting it out this year as well. So um Sierra, thank you
1: so much for being part of our event. Thank you so much. Let's meet our second guest expert, Mark Hook from Inventory Planner by Sage. Hello, Mark.
2: Hello, Chloe. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Enjoying the fact I get to catch up with you as always. So how do we forecast better to avoid future overstocks and ease cash flow issues?
2: How do we forecast better to avoid future overstocks? It's an interesting question, Chloe. So the, the way to do it, to answer it really simply, like really simply, is saying like, you've got to use your forecast to essentially look at how long your stock will last and identify an optimal level. That, that's how you do it essentially, right? The the problem is that it's really hard to do that when (laughs) you're an e-commerce business and you're running like really, really fast. You're trying to input data from multiple channels, multiple sources. Things can come out of date really quickly. Um, You're probably never going to be across seasonal trends, spikes, influencer-driven activity, that type of stuff. So what do businesses need to do? They need to be able to quickly see the bigger picture. So that's how you forecast better. Um, Kind of having a much quicker understanding of, for example, what products are contributing to your overall profitability, um, and also what isn't. So kind of understanding at a glance, what's a hot seller, what's not so hot a seller, what's moving well in one region, what's not moving well in another region. Is this large red T-shirt going really well? The small blue T-shirt, not so much, you're going to get the drift there. So um, if a product is contributing to a very small percentage of your overall revenue, you need to understand that. And you need to be able to make the decision on whether it's right to carry that product like that. So that all goes into your forecasting and you need to be able to essentially make those decisions um, really quickly and at a glance. The, the best way to do that is, is obviously to use technology to use insights and platforms that can give you those recommendations at a glance. If you want to eliminate um, or avoid overstock, you want to avoid and or ease those cash flow troubles. You definitely need the tools that can give you reliable insights, trustworthy insights, and to do that really, really quickly. We're not in a we're not in a time where you can kind of look at um, a forecast recommendation that's a month old and kind of trust that. It, we're, we're kind of moving into a, almost a day-to-day kind of, you need to be checking that every day.
1: It's It strikes me more that it's like, we, I think historically people have gone, yeah, we're gonna do it once a month, we'll get everything accurate and then we'll make some decisions. And then I feel like over the last five years, we've been a bit lazy because it was really easy to shift stuff. And now we need to work a bit harder at actually getting these skills back into our businesses. But at the same time, we need that real-time data because the how you avoid future overstocks is partly your buy, but it's also how you manage the product every day that it's sat in your warehouse. You know, you touched on where you're selling it, what channels you're selling it geographically, et cetera. It's like, if we haven't got the right data, we don't stand a chance. We're inevitably going to end up with overstock because we're not making the right choices every day that that piece of stock's in the warehouse.
2: That's exactly right. You, you need to be able to have the data as a glance, at a glance, as I've said, be able to check that once, twice a day and make adjustments accordingly. That's how you avoid overstock. Um, and we have a number of clients that have honed their operations to be able to order uh, small amounts more frequently and you can only do that if you you really trust the insights that you're being given and you are checking those every day and you can kind of say you can see where the trends are, are moving to um, and that essentially helps them once they have that confidence and that trust in the, in the data they can hold less stock then they have more confidence in their forecast, so they're less likely to be overstocked in future. Um, if they do that, then they have less cash tied up in inventory because they're ordering small amounts. So that's the way you reduce inventory. That's the way you ease the cash flow burden. Um, and we have um, we have clients inventory planner that have managed to reduce their inventory holding from like two million um, to you know. Un- hundreds of thousands less than hundred thousand in, in just in weeks and that is that that's simply by taking the insights and the data trusting what it's telling you and then using it to kind of just focus on your hot sellers and then gently remove and reduce
1: so mark were you saying if we get our data right we pay attention to it <laughs> we get the data right and we actually use the data then there's the potential to halve the cash value of your stock holding
2: Yes, absolutely. It's it's huge, and and it's really imperative that businesses do that because so much in, so much cash is tied up in inventory. It's it's your biggest asset, but it's also your biggest risk and liability. Um, and businesses have got used to holding on to safety stock. Safety stock is not that safe anymore. It, it stock that you've got in your warehouse that you ain't shifting is a risk, um, and we need businesses to understand that. Um, and you can and say it, it, you can reduce that. You, you look at what you can do if you're managed, if you can cut your stock holding in half, you can reinvest that in growth. You can reinvest that in marketing. You can reinvest that in inventory that does sell. <laughs> you <can say> there's <laughs> it. So so it, it completely makes sense when you look at it. That way.
1: I didn't realize that drop was that big that you could halve it. But it's like, then you're going, okay, well, we're not gonna need to make, get a bigger warehouse for X more years because we've just doubled the amount or we've just halved the amount of space our stock is taking up or we can reduce our bills at the fulfillment house by x because suddenly we're taking up less square foot with our 3PL so it's and then and we and our staff or the 3PL staff are going to have to move our stock around less times basically if you've got too much stock you're forever moving it about so there's kind of overhead cost savings as well as just turning that cash back into marketing budget
2: and you can you can use those insights to um, improve your overall sales opportunities. So we we have a customer that they won't mind me saying saying their name. Furniture box online furniture company. Um, they reduced their stock holding and they optimised it, but they at the same time improved their um their, their revenue and their sales by twenty percent in in six months. Uh, and they did that they did that simply because they focused on what was selling um, and and then just. Got rid of the the products that, that weren't so hot um much more optimal inventory holding better sales opportunity
1: it does feel like this is the new source you know you mark you know i am a marketer first and foremost i love the ops stuff but i am a marketer first and foremost and it does strike me that inventory data could be the next pot of gold for the marketers who really want to especially increase the profit not just the sales volume
2: um yeah absolutely i think you can use it uh, to absolutely inform your sales strategy. You can use it, you know. Let, let's talk marketing. If you if you want to get really strategic about it, yeah. You know, if you want to start using running discounts or influencer campaigns, if you know you've got product that you're not shifting quite as quickly, you should be using that product for your discount, for your sell seasons, for your influencer campaigns. Not the products that are already shifting. If that. Large red shirt is already flying out the door. You don't need a promotion on top of that. That you know, you're you're, you're essentially wasting cash. Um, you need to use that those promotions in the most strategic way. And a lot of customers that we've got actually do use it in that way. Um, they're very strategic about their uh, and very very disciplined about their sales strategy. When they're going to discount, when they're going to promote, they have, maybe only have one or two sales promotions a year, and they're using that to reduce their their surplus inventory.
1: It's kind of, I feel like over the last five years or so, it's been the missing part of the puzzle. We kind of stopped worrying about the product. We just looked on the website and picked something random to do a discount on. Whereas now, if we want to max profits, if we want to do the right thing and, and not have these overstocks that cause all these problems for the business and for the planet, we need that data at our fingertips and not just at the, the team who are in charge of stocks fingertips, but the whole business's fingertips.
2: It's the type of data that can cross from marketing to, to purchasing, to warehouse, um, to leadership as well. They, you know, they wanna know that information. And, and if you can have those insights, again, at a glance that are reliable and trustworthy, you can use that data across your business to in, inform, inform you, you know, your wider strategy.
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you, Mark, for so much for being a part of this e commerce explored series. Um, if you would like to get in contact with Mark, you can find him on LinkedIn and you can get inventory planners, a very cool new checklist that's totally relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, the 11 smart ways for online merchants to reduce their inventory overhang. How much do you guys want that? You can get that from the website inventory planner.com. And all the links to all of that are available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock, which is probably exactly where you're watching this right now. So the links are down there somewhere. So you can go and get that checklist straight away. Mark, thank you so much for being a part of our event. That's a pleasure. what a brilliant introduction to the world of and the potential of good forecasting um, and buying activity. huge thank you to Sierra and Mark our guests for bringing such excellent insights to this session. Like Sierra said, inventory is cash. you've got to think of it as cash so let's make that cash work for us. For me there are two angles here that will reduce waste, increase profits and free up your cash flow. First of all, buying. Buy the right stock in the first place, identify it, work out what you're going to buy, and then buy less stock at a time to reduce your risk. Secondly, merchandising and marketing, clearing the stock at the right time to the right people at a better price. To improve these, you need three trends time data. The more data you can turn into a usable format to help you manage and forecast your inventory the better. Data from customer behavior, sales performance, returns, the financials, you want it all in one easily accessible place so your whole team in every department can use it to interpret to make those right decisions. Which leads us to collaboration, the second of our trends. This isn't just a problem for the buying and merchandising team, it's everyone's problem. To help sell through at full price and to feed back the insights that are all over your business to enable great decisions to be made. So you've got to collaborate, you've got to work together. And of course, first principles, we need to do better. These ideas, they are not new. I saw people doing these way back when I had my first job in retail this stuff isn't rocket science, but we need to commit to doing them, to building this data set and learning how to work together to interpret it. Everything we need exists. We just need to utilize it. And if you're not sure what I'm going on about these three trends, then go back and watch my introductory session where I dive into this and and take you through some of the overall things we've seen during this session or this series even. Okay. In the next session, we're going deep into more data. So we're going into one little part of the data set, which is hugely packed with useful insight if you only incorporate it into your decision making. And that is your returns data. Yeah, we've just got to harness it, basically. So we're going to be talking about how you harness your returns better, what ways in which you can can harness it, and um, getting into how better systems and decisions can have a fundamental impact on profitability. And yes, we will be talking a little bit about how you can improve the impact of your returns themselves on your business. Because uh, I think overstocks and returns, so many of the solutions are so similar and it all kind of intertwines together. So we we'll are gonna be talking about all that in the next session so make sure you stay tuned for that one thank you to our partners again um, Nibble, Realift, Returnalize Digital Gearbox and Sneaker Impact for their support in making this event a reality and enabling all of you to come and watch us for free you can access all the live sessions um, and more free resources at ecmp.info forward slash overstock. If you're in the site right now if you go to the replays tab you'll see everything that's available for you to watch. If you go to the agenda tab you'll see what's still coming up and when it's going to be happening. See you in the next session, so we can help you to master the problem of overstocks. Thanks for listening to E Commerce Explored, the latest podcast from the E Commerce Podcast Network. If you've got an e commerce topic you'd like us to explore in our next series, get in touch via ecommercexplored.com.